Hello, Shannon Waller here and welcome to Team Success. I am very excited because on this episode, I have my new friend, Joss Fonger, who is really an expert in systems. And we're gonna talk about work the system, we're gonna talk about your partner, Josh, and I'm excited because you actually have a talent and a capability, and I would say a unique ability in strategic coach terms, to really help people organize themselves, document their systems, not experience a bunch of dangers that we're going to talk about when you don't have those things done. So you can have a much, much, much better run business and one that can run with a lot less stress, a lot less strain, and better yet, a lot more productivity and profitability and really good teamwork. So teamwork and profitability are my two favorite business terms ever. And I'm excited for everyone else to learn, and me too, a little bit, exactly how you do that. So first of all, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Cool. So Josh, tell me how you got started. How did you get to this point in terms of having this be what your kind of mission is at the moment in life? How did you figure out that this was a passion of yours? Yeah, well, I'll do it in the quickest way possible so we can get to the meat. But I was in real estate development, so my undergraduate degree is in architecture. And I went back to my master's in business, and I was going to be a real estate developer. That was my plan. That was my vision. And then the last big downturn happened, and I didn't make it through, right? So me and a lot of my friends got laid off, and I looked for work in real estate for a number of months and did not find anything unless I wanted to get a 90% pay cut, which is difficult with kids. So I had to do something different. And the funny thing is that after applying for jobs in any industry around the world, I thought I haven't had an MBA so I can do something. And I could not get any work at all. And so, you know, I was doing cash jobs. I was selling life insurance. I was doing whatever I could to kind of make some money. And it got to the point where I lost the house, lost the car, lost everything, living in my in-laws condo because I was in my early 20s. And I was like, well, <laughs> this is going to be an embarrassing start to a career. And the only people that call me back was a company that, I'll go over the whole story, it was a consulting company, business consulting. I had never done any consulting before, and I actually wrote my thesis paper in my MBA program about why you should never hire a business consultant. Like why that job was actually an unethical job, was a bad job, you don't need one of those people, better to do it yourself, internally, you know, that's gonna give you boilerplate solutions anyways, so don't waste your money. And so, the only job I could get was a job that I thought, <laughs> you know, didn't have any value. And it was because my father-in-law had a really bad experience with it. My dad was a business owner. So both my father and father-in-law were both business owners and they had bad experiences. And so it just was like, but uh, you know, I took it, right? It was the only opportunity. So I became a business consultant and I ended up flying around the country working with flooring stores. So Florida America and Carpet Ones. And from store to store to store and help them with their financial projections, their marketing, their sales, inventory, hiring, firing, cultural redesigns basically anything that they needed, I would just fly in there and fix it or figure it out. I really fell in love with it, really enjoyed it. But what I was realizing is that I could turn some companies around and make some major significant gains with them. But then when I would leave, things would get worse and worse and worse. Long story short, read Sam's book, Work the System, realized he was in the same city I was living at the time, Bend, Oregon. We met for coffee. We ended up hitting off, becoming friends. And he was getting a lot of traction from his book, Work the System. He didn't need the money. He didn't need another business. He was doing fine. But he said, people keep calling me and asking me for help. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't have time for that. I mean, he enjoyed his freedom, right? But he really wanted to help people with the business. And so 
we took on some clients as an experiment just to see how it would go. I had phenomenal success with those ones. And then he said, let's just build a company out of this. And so we did. And that was almost 10 years ago. Seriously, that's a great, great story. Well, I mean, you had hit a really challenging place for yourself. And I know that you also help other people out of challenging places when they've had something happen in their business that they're like, Ooh, I probably could have prevented that. Uh, your, in your case, was caused by the economy. So you probably have a pretty big appreciation for the need for having a, a system that is replicable, that is secure, that runs no matter what. And then I'm sure finding Sam was just... A really good way to cement that. And I have to say, because my audience tends to know their Colby profiles, and I know some of the people listening will want to know, what's this Colby? So five, seven, six, three. So you have a lot of mental energy for seeing the need for structure and probably adding that. So I'm not totally surprised that when you left, <laughs> things fell apart. But I know with SAM systems, you have a way to help translate that knowledge into their minds. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, everyone has systems going on in their life and their business. It's just that they haven't actually taken the time to identify them, to manage them, to control them, to document them. And therefore, they have kind of like this organic business that they're not in control of. Maybe they don't even realize this. And we go in there and help them get control. So one of our mantras is control is a good thing. You want to actually be in control instead of out of control. And by separating these systems, you can actually identify each of those pieces and, and get success. And the challenge for most companies is they just see it all as one big business and it's too overwhelming. It's too tied to people, personalities themselves, and they haven't taken time to isolate it and then get really good at the separate pieces. Oh, I love this. This is so great because, I mean, our common friend, which is so great, Timothy Francis introduced us and he basically said, Shannon, you need to meet Josh. I'm like, okay, because he knows that as strategic coach, one of the things that we're really passionate about is helping people have better run companies. And we call them a self-managing company. And the more I learn about work, the system, I'm like, da, 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 da. this is so key to help people do that. And your description of an organic business but getting it to the point where, you know, there's a real threshold there, I think, for a lot of companies where, again, we call it a ceiling of complexity, but they don't know how to break through it because they don't know how to put the structure in place. And their entrepreneurs are deathly afraid of being held captive to systems, to being squished, oppressed, comes up. It's like quite dramatic. And they don't want to be contained, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But I think what I've learned, you know, this is my 29th year at Strategic Coach. My anniversary is coming up. Crazy is that there's a lot of safety and a lot of growth that's possible out of constraints. And systems really actually help to eliminate so much confusion. So before we jump into the system, which I can't wait for people to learn more about, and of course, please go learn more. The book, Work the System, is available at workthesystem.com. We'll talk about that again at the end of our recording. But just in case you want to know what you're talking about, it's available there. And there's some just great communications. Your podcast is fabulous. I have honor of being on that too. So there's a lot of really great information here. But one of the things I want to start with, and this is, again, another great point of connection between you and coach, is mindset. There's actually a mindset shift that has to happen for anything else to even register. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know it's one that Sam talks about, and it's really pretty critical for your clients to be able to be successful with this process. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't have the mindset, you're not going to stick with it. You're not going to follow through. Your team won't do it. So there, there is a shift that needs to happen. And we call it the systems mindset. And what you need to be able to do is separate yourself from the business. And we call it getting outside and slightly elevated. 
and look down and see the separateness of the pieces of your business. And so that's kind of the key shift. And we go through a lot about how that happens, but I think Sam's story is the best and it's in the book, but the paraphrase of the story is he was working hundred hour work weeks and the business was all dependent on him, you know, him depositing checks him making calls and working with customers. Like it was based on him and he couldn't work any more hours. I mean, he was living at the business. <laughs> like that was where he was living and working and, it's, a, it's an answering service, so it's a 24-7 operation. So he was about to you know, lose his mind and his health and everything, about to go bankrupt. And he has this vision in the middle of the night where he sees on a table all the pieces of a machine, like this big machine, but all of it spread out over the table. And his thesis was, okay, I see these separate pieces and they're the pieces of my business. I wonder if I took each piece and I carefully made it perfect, and then I put it back together if I'd have a perfect business. Because right now my business is a disaster. And so what he ended up doing is, you know, the next day he got to work on taking each piece. And the first piece he did was, how do we take checks? And these were physical checks back then and deposit them into the bank, you know, because they ended up losing a bunch of money because it got screwed up a few weeks before. And they wrote that one procedure. And it used to take him a couple hours a week, every week to do that because he did it himself. And he wrote it down and he said, I don't have to do this ever again. I'm going to hand this off. He's done the math, but I think he saved himself like an entire year's worth of work for writing that one procedure, like a thousand hours of work for writing that one procedure that he was involved in. And then it's just a mathematical thing. You just write more of those and you build yourself freedom. So it's a mindset shift, but then I think it gets embedded in execution. So once you've done one thing you used to do and it's documented now and it's handed off, you realize this is your ticket to freedom. And that's what gets people excited. Mm, I'll bet. Well, we talk a lot about who, not how, which is if mm -hmm. there's a how that you don't want to do, or frankly, shouldn't be doing a lot of those that you need to find the right who for it. But the missing piece is so often, you know, what are your standards or do they know what to do? And I know, cause I remember hearing this from Sam in the recording that he documented all those processes himself. As you mentioned, if he were doing it over again, he would have given it to the people to document <laughs> to his team. <laughs> and what I know, because I'm, I've tried, I'm not a very good documenter. I skip steps and I don't even see them. So I know there's other people though that are so good at delineating those individual pieces. And they're the ones who just can craft a stunningly beautiful system and actually execute on it far better than I can. So I'm a big fan of doing it, but I'm probably like most of your clients where I see the need I just want someone else to do it for me. <laughs> it's what I want. Am I alone in that or is that pretty common? Extremely common. Yeah, it's the same with me too. I enjoy working on my client systems from a strategic right. mindset. So, you know, how can we be more efficient, you know, accelerate this, but actually sitting there doing the writing, that is a huge challenge for me and it is for most entrepreneurs. So it's definitely a who, but it's giving that who the right objective, right? I'm not handing this off to you so that you can now be a slave to this thing. I'm handing this off to you so that you can build a system so that you can grow with me and so that we can scale and we can make a bigger impact. Because if you hand your problems off to another person and they hold those problems, what happens when that person's gone, <laughs> right? Hey. And we want our people to stay as long as possible. People do come and go, but systems stay, right? So systems are assets that are physically going to be there, but people come and go and you have to deal with that reality and if you want to constantly have chaos, then just keep handing things off to people. They're going to keep handing it back. But if you want to slowly build more and more control, you want to hand it over to them with the 
express goal that they need to document the, the system of it. And we've got a bunch of tools to help with that. But I think that's the piece I will forget is they think, oh, now I have someone else to do it. But they're forgetting well, <laughs> what happens when they're gone because they will be, whether it's sickness, family issue, you know, whatever it might be, but those things happen. That's a great quote, by the way. People come and go, but systems stay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so true. So we have documented our systems at Strategic Coach a couple of times. And now here's the danger in our digital, remote, virtual world, which we're extremely in right now, is that you know, we've written them down. We have a tool called Unique Method, which looks like 12 boxes in a horseshoe shape, if anyone's not familiar with that. It's meant to be a graphic overview of a system. It's not nearly as I'm sure technical or specific as yours. But what's interesting is when we told one of our clients who is a business valuation expert, he said, you have just doubled, if not tripled the value of your company. He said, for most companies, all of the quote unquote institutional knowledge walks out the door at five or six o'clock at night and you've got nothing left. <laughs> so anyway, I was so struck by that comment because I knew it had an impact in terms of efficiency, but I didn't know it actually changed the value of your company. That's a big deal. Not that we're not selling, but it's like, whoa, that's how valuable it is to someone who could be buying it. And that's kind of working on not in your business to use the e-myth way of thinking about it. I so value and appreciate the need for this. And I can't wait for everyone to learn more about how you go about doing it and how you help other people do it. Cause I'm very clear that people like me need help. So what are some of the steps of your system to help people put in place systems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, definitely. And I want to hit on one thing you mentioned in terms of the complexity and the detail and the technical nature of this is that when I work with companies and they try to really push that aspect of it, those are the implementations that usually have the biggest chance of failure. So we really try to keep our model as simple as possible so that you can get success with it really quickly instead of getting bogged down in the detail and the formatting and the shape and the color and the font. You'll never get anything done then. And that's a huge issue we run into. I mean, I had a PhD in communications that I was working with and he was the guy who was going to systemize the business. And he made it so complicated that I had to take it away from him and put it with a, you know, like a really junior person so we could just do it in layman's terms. And you know, that then the project did really well. It was the person who was too smart for their own good to actually have success with this. So we've got a really simple approach. You know, it's four pillars. Now the first pillar is the right mindset. So we've talked about that already. Second one is to have a strategic objective and most companies have some kind of vision, values, mission, something like that. But we wanna have a one page document that lets everyone know where we're going and how we're going to get there. It really tells you what you do, who your team is, what your product or service is, who you do it for, and the way you're going to do that and where you're going. It's just one pager that's really solid. That's kind of the key thing is you need to be focused on what you're actually building. Because if you don't know what you're building, you're gonna waste a lot of time. So we do that for speed and efficiency and refinement. The second piece is the operating principles because what will happen is people will think, okay, system, system, systems. Okay, so I need a procedure for Oh, there's some trash on the floor. I need a system for that. And it uh, looks like that light was turned on. We need a system for that. And this happened. And they start writing like a, a 10,000 systems because they think everything needs to be documented. But really, most things don't if you have principles that guide the decisions of average people, right? You're going to have average people in your business, hopefully good and great people. But if you enable them with these principles about how to think about teamwork and efficiency and equality and customer service, and you, you got to give them these guides, if a gray area decision comes up, here's how we handle it. Uh, this is what we expect. That's going to save a ton of time because the owner is not pulled into, or the manager pulled into every single nuanced gray situation 
because now the principles are going to guide all of those thousands of decisions that happen a day in a business. And it's going to make them, again, very efficient, very refined and controlled. Again, the owner's going to have control. And so instead of it being based on the owners and the team's emotions at the time, it's going to be based on this strategy and these principles. And the last pillar of the four pillars is the procedures. This actually takes some time. The first three pieces you can do pretty quick, but this one takes some time, but it's incremental. So you can have one procedure, you know, save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it doesn't like, well, once I had this done, then we'll be in good shape. It's, you know, each thing we build is going to pay us back. Maybe it's quick, maybe slow, but it's going to pay us back in terms of efficiency, quality, speed, protection against, you know, the unforeseen. You know, for those of you who are in manufacturing, one of my favorite stories to share about this is I was working with a, a small parts company in Michigan and they have been in business for 40 years, right? So they pretty dialed in. They measure everything. They track everything. They feel like they're efficient. You know, they run two lines, you know, 20 people in the morning, 20 in the afternoon. And he's like, well, I don't know what to document. Everyone just kind of knows what to do. We've been doing it a long time. We've been around forever. Like everyone just knows. And I said, just, just pick one thing you do on a regular basis and let's just document it, see what happens. Right. And so he documented a shift change from first shift to second shift. That was it. And they've been doing this every day for, again, many decades. And so he wrote down, okay, these things need to happen when the shift ends. And these things need to happen when the shift starts. It took him maybe an hour to do that. And he just, you know, quick chicken scratch checklist. And I said, what changed? He's like, well, not much because we've been doing it forever. And I said, let's look deeper. Let's, let's measure. Let's actually look into this and see how it changed. And it used to have first shift and second shift. He would pay them 15 minutes of overlapping time every single day because they had to, you know, calibrate and discuss and find out where the projects were and the parts and inventory. And so there's all this coordination time, 15 minutes overlapping schedules. And he said, now it's a five minute overlap. So I said, what's the difference there? And he did the math, rough math, you know, saving 10 minutes per person per day, every day. He's like, that's a hundred thousand dollars of payroll. And he's like, I wish I would have done that <laughs> a few decades ago because he never got to the level of detail that he could have because he settled for good enough. And most owners, they settle for good enough because they never write things down and so they can never analyze them. And therefore they can never push things to the next level. And that was just, you know, one piece of his business. And then I got him excited. Oh, what about the next piece? And the next piece, and the next piece, knowing that that was how much waste was hidden in his business. And we like to say that, you know, there's gold in your business. You just need to mine for it. It's already there. That's when he got the systems mindset. And that's when things really started to turn around for him. I love it. <laughs> this is so exciting. You know, efficiency is so great. And I think sometimes people just get, it's, well, how do you boil a frog? Terrible story. But anyway, it does have a point. You know, if you throw a frog in hot water, it's going to hop out. But if you put a frog in cold water, slowly turn up the temperature, right? That's how you cook a frog. Why anyone would want to cook a frog is frankly beyond me. But anyway, but the whole point is that I think we get used to and acclimatized to the way things are and it gets good enough. And then something else requires your attention as a business owner or as a leader, even as a team member. You're like, okay, I, I put enough into that. Now the next thing, the next crisis, the next issue happens and then bam, you know, that's what you're focusing on. Then we build up all of this wasted time, wasted energy, wasted effort, and then if my way of doing it is completely different than your way of doing it, then we've got a whole translation that has to happen. So let's talk about that for a moment. Well, unique ability is another concept we've talked about. So how does it, does it just turn everyone into an automaton where everyone has to do everything exactly the same way? Or how does it, what's the impact on people when you put these systems in place? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, surprisingly, it doesn't. Uh, actually, people like it. And what I like to tell employees and owners is that you're going to enjoy working at a place where you can do quality work, where there's not friction and chaos, and where your best ideas actually go back into a system that can get better and better and better. Because usually the intellectual capital of your team can never be leveraged because they have nowhere to put it. And since things are always murky and changing, they just don't even bother. They don't even bother putting in the effort to improve a system. So no, they love it. And the main reason they love it is because companies that have more systems in place are more profitable. And they know, and I teach them that when there's more profit, Owners are more generous, right? Generous with raises, generous with time off, generous with opportunities, generous with reinvesting in the business, generous with hiring to support the overworked employees. And so it's just a natural outcome of a business that's based on systems. And so now I will tell you all that that's a long-term thinking, but the short term of it is that employees at first, they are not used to it, right? They're used to kind of just shooting from their hip. They're used to working in urgent situations and they're used to being the hero and they have to have a shift themselves and realize that actually you know not having that stress not having those emergencies is a better working environment and there's a small segment of the population that doesn't like that they thrive on emergencies problems and they don't like it and those people end up leaving the business but you can typically replace them with someone who costs way less and is way more effective because they just want to do things right and refine and refine and refine. So depending on the kind of company you have, you might have to change out some of those people. I got a quick story. So I was working with this commercial appraisal firm and we had this senior appraiser and she would do these document reviews. So she'd review a building, commercial building and all this stuff. It took her like eight hours to do it. And she was super technical, problem solving, all this stuff. But when she actually went through and documented the best way to do what she had been doing for years and years and years, she realized she could do it in half the time. And we ended up handing it off to the you know, junior least paid assistant. So someone who was making hundred grand a year, handed it off to somebody who was making $12 an hour. And that person did the review with the procedure. So then the person who was actually really sharp, really brilliant, tons of experience, she could do all these other things that were so much more exciting, enjoyable, complex, difficult, because she knew that this other person would just follow the steps, do a better plan review, more meticulous and faster than she could do. Because she was actually built for different changes, whereas this other person was just built for repeatable tasks. Once she saw that, she's like, wow, I don't know why I was doing all those plan reviews, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, people can probably go, oh no, what was I wasting all my time for? <laughs> yeah, all that, all that opportunity cost. Well, one of the things that really strikes me is that, you know, you said some people, I use the term allergic, are allergic to getting organized or getting structured. And it's interesting, as even as someone whose mental energy and Colby follow through is two out of 10, mm -hmm. I follow the system. I don't create the system. I've learned my limits, but my brilliant support partner, Nicole, she organizes and masterminds. Like my calendar is a work of art and my job is just to follow it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am one of the most structured people you'll meet, at least from a time standpoint, but it's amazing just how efficient that is. And once she came into my life, my productivity tripled at least, if not quadrupled. So I feel like I have my own experience with the type of process that you're talking about. There's two other things I want to touch on before I move on to 
any other cool things. One is system improvements and bottom-up, but the other is, before we get to that even, just talking about the drama factor. So people are shooting from the hip and just doing things every which way, or they have to change their systems, which, you know, when we're recording this, it's still in the shutdown COVID-19 pandemic. And so people have had to change their systems a lot, or a lot of new things are being innovated, and there's there's no system in place yet. And so there's friction, there's drama, there's like clashes, you know, even in a team that's really great and cares about each other and it's very cohesive, you can still see that. And I've heard about it, I've seen it in our own team, I've seen it in lots of other people's teams right now. So it's fascinating to me. I mean, anything, I'm allergic to drama. So anything that reduces that, I am all for. You know, and if you have a drama queen or king on your team, they need to be elsewhere. I wrote about that. So, so I'm a big fan of everything that you're talking about. But I love the idea that the people closest to the system are the ones that actually can make the improvements. And you talked about their team members have all of this intellectual capital that they have nowhere to put. And that just makes my heart hurt because I'm so much a fan of great team members. So let's talk about how it works in your system that improvements actually can be made. It's not top down necessarily. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we try to enable and empower the people who are actually doing the work to write their own procedures. Now, depending on what kind of business you're in, you know, if it's a blue collar industry and you're working with landscapers, they're probably not going to document their systems because they're just not comfortable on a keyboard. And so we have different ways to help in that situation. But you really want people closest to the actual task, writing down how the task is supposed to happen. One, because they'll take ownership of it. Two, they're going to really think through what they do, and you as the owner hopefully don't know how to do it better than them. In some cases, you might, and you want to pass it down. So, so ownership is also going to be implemented better, but people can then, you know, the new employees that come on board can then take that and refine it and tweak it and modify it. And so what we try to do is get a draft from the people who are doing the work as quickly as possible. So you know, don't stress about every single detail, but just get a draft out there. And then we can all look at it together. And we have a principle called best idea wins. So it's not about how it's being done. It's not about how anyone else thinks it should be done. It's what is the best idea. And as long as we go about it with that perspective, then everyone is excited about who can come up with the best idea to improve that particular system. And based on you know, what you mentioned before this, a lot of the stress goes down in a particular business unit or area when you know what is the goal of each task that's supposed to happen. So Case in point, I was working with this home staging company and they would answer the phone, right? And so the number of employees, but I was talking with the husband and wife. And so the wife would answer the phone sometimes and the husband answered the phone sometimes. And there are all these conflicts. He's like, well, the way I answer the phone is better because I do this and this and this. And she's like, the way I answer the phone is better. I said, what's the goal of answering the phone? And they had totally different goals. Like for her, the goal was, you know, close as many clients as possible, set as many appointments as possible. Let's, you know, really try to close these things. And his was, my wife is stressed out, our team is busy, we're out of installers, so we really want to scrutinize and try not to get involved with anybody we want to get involved with. And so the way they answered, the way they talked were totally different. He was trying to not get clients and she was trying to get everybody. They both thought they were doing the right way. And I said, well, we need to come up with, first off, what is the goal of answering the phone? You know, you know, it's to qualify, it's to build a good connection, it's to gather information. Like this is what the success looks like, just one sentence. And then let's write the actual way to answer the phone to fit that. Because otherwise, everyone has their own idea of success. And 
you'd be surprised on what that is. The more degrees of separation it is between people, the more friction of our problems, you think you're doing it right, they think they're doing it right. And it's just because no one has defined what right is. You know, globally, there's this right thing called the strategic objective, let's just say. But what is perfection look like in answering the phone? Like, what does perfection look like in handling a customer objection? What is the customer, you know, that is important to define. And most companies, they never define it. And there's always that, that, that conflict. That's a brilliant example. <laughs> I was like, who won? <laughs> it's what I want to know. <laughs> Probably it was a combination of both. It's interesting because what you just hit on for me is something that I hear about a lot is that two people are doing the same role and then they train new people completely differently, mm -hmm. right? To do the same activity because they're doing it differently. So you end up with zero consistency in your business. And even though, again, not something that's factory installed for me, just having the best idea, so you can have what we call the ideal result, same thing, is key. So it's like we're always striving to something. And I love that also it takes it out of the realm of personality because that's just a danger zone is with companies, especially smaller ones, where this is really about how do we create the best possible result. And people do have very different ideas. Even something that sounds as simple as answering the phone, I was like, hmm, I'm interested to hear what's so interesting about that. But they had very fascinating no wonder she was busy because she was closing all the business. He was like, no, 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 no. So that's just a very stellar, I'm not going to forget that one, I can tell you. So we've talked about really having a system mindset. We've talked about how one simple system saves someone $100,000 a year in payroll costs. That's amazing. We've talked about reducing stress and friction and drama. And we've talked about system improvements. What else do people need to know? I mean, to my mind, it's one of those things that, People know is a good thing, but they don't necessarily take action on it until they've had a negative experience. And we were chatting about this before we hit record. And this is what you find too, is that right? Is there a way we can accelerate or minimize the pain process? Let me put it that way. <laughs> How can we help yeah, well, people get to that point faster? <laughs> maybe some stories will help. Just put yourself in these people's shoes and maybe you can kind of empathize with their pain. Like I was working with a SaaS company in Utah and uh, he'd been on our list for, for years, worked with Systemless. And he calls me, but it was after his operations manager died. Okay. So then he's like, we don't know how to do anything. Our company is, you know, going down dramatically. We need to actually develop these systems. And so <laughs> that was one wake up call. I've actually had two clients where people have died in the business and then we go work with them. So that's always possible. Another great example is a coaching business, but it's a large one. So three locations, big call center, over 150 employees. I was working with this particular business and there was one employee who was pregnant. We got working together. She was maybe six months pregnant and she was involved in some of the automation, email technology, marketing part of the business, kind of the brains behind that. And everyone's like, yeah, we should document our systems. And this one particular person, obviously she's going to go on leave pretty soon, which probably document. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And, and we're working through and you know, I, I travel out there from time to time. She ended up going to labor a month early. <laughs> and we had been on her case and she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. Don't worry, I'm going to do it. And she hadn't documented anything. So she goes into labor and what happens, and I'm hearing about this when I fly back to this client, is as she's driving to go into labor, people are talking to her on the phone. In the middle of labor, she's handling text messages, right? She has a baby. An hour later, she's responding to email. It was insane. I've never seen that level of dependence on a person. It was insane. And so 
even though she wasn't at work, she was always responding to emergencies every single day. I mean, it was a horrible situation. Thankfully for the company, she was dedicated to doing that, but you just don't want to have that happen. I guess there's no video here, but so we have another version of the book coming out with a bunch of case studies of clients I've worked with. And the most common thing in our interviews with these clients is that they started after they had a heart attack. They started after they were in the hospital. They started after something horrible happened. You know, that's why I do the podcast. That's why I'm here is to say, you know, prevent that horrible thing. That's going to happen. I mean, the odds are that's going to happen. I just interviewed an attorney for our program just a couple hours ago. And, and she's like, odds are every other year, you're going to be in some kind of lawsuit. That's like the average in the statistics for small business. So just plan on bad things happening. So you have to prevent them. This is a very surefire way to prevent things from happening. I wish there was a way I could make people more afraid, <laughs> but hopefully those stories help. <laughs> to me, it's, it's like one of the, I don't love this term, but low hanging fruit. It's just an easy way to get your time back, get your life back, increase the profitability of your business. But the problem is it's on the saving side, sometimes more than the getting new sales side, but it's, <laughs> like trying to bail a leaky boat. You know, if you've got stuff coming out the bottom and you're just trying to put some more stuff in the top, it's not really going to work. And what's interesting, and again, as entrepreneurs for everyone listening, you know, just really look at how well documented is your company? Does everyone know your core principles? Like I know we have one, we would call it a core value, but it's positive and collaborative teamwork. Another one is a first class experience. It makes it really easy to know what to do in certain situations, right? It's like, take care of the client. Whether or not you should, how to clean up something, clean it up. <laughs> it makes it super simple. And then I think you can really invest your time. And one of the other things I know that is in the podcast interview is then you can actually be measuring the right things too, right? So you don't need to measure everything. You need to have process for everything. But then you can really measure the things that matter. And it just gives you those dials that you're turning that really allow you to have the type of business that you want to have. So I feel like there's so much more we could talk about, but I know our time is coming to an end. So if people want to learn more about Work the System, you have a couple of really interesting ways that you work with people. Some super hands-on for those who are in desperate need of help or just know that they shouldn't do it themselves. But you also have other less hands-on deck kind of ways to do that. So can you talk about how you work with clients? Because I think that's pretty interesting. Well, definitely. So years ago, I would fly out to every single client. So I would do all the workshops, I would do the presentations, consulting, coaching, you name it. I've actually bought Sam Carpenter out of the business about a year ago. We still work together, we still talk all the time, but with the ability to now spread out that license, right? So now that I own the license. So what we've been doing is now certifying consultants to help companies. So for anyone who's a coach, consultant, speaker, they want to get certified, that's what we're doing. So certified professionals, so they can go out there and help companies on a one-to-one -one basis. But for small business owners who are really small and they just want training, we have a training course so they can go through and it's essentially probably 30 plus hours of training, templates, tools, worksheets, every single thing that I've ever done with a client is in there so that you can have success doing it yourself. So it's kind of like you know, do it yourself or become certified. And the, the middle one that probably as I think about it, probably fits this audience the best because I know what kind of people I've worked with a lot of strategic coach, people who are in your world are also my world, is this idea of a business systems manager. So if you are the innovator, then you need an integrator, right? And that's what our business systems manager certification is all about, is we want to take your second in command and get them fully trained, certified, licensed all the materials so that they can fix your business from the inside out. 
right? So maybe you don't want to bring someone from the outside. You just want someone from the inside to be equipped. And that's what that whole program is about because we know that if you do it internally, it's going to stick even better. And then that business systems manager is going to, you know, be the police officer there to really keep things in control. And it's almost never the owner of the company. And so that's why we created that course. Oh, I love that. I didn't even know you had that. That's fantastic. This is great. So I'm excited about people getting to this point in their business. And Kathy Colby actually has talked about this. You know, often businesses are started with quick start, you know, get something new, doesn't need every fact, doesn't need every I dotted and T cross to get going. Then often you back it up with facts and case studies and history and evidence. But then in order to grow, in order to scale, because this is really what this is about. If you're at a ceiling of complexity and you're stuck, it's probably because you have an organic business that is just too unstructured. And so you're playing whack-a-mole with all the problems all the time. And that's why you're there 60, 80, 100 hours a week, like Sam was versus none of that. Because <laughs> he was down to what, two hours a week or something? It was pretty cool that this is a way to really kind of have that breakthrough. So this is really important stuff. And that's when follow through energy systems, people, we all have people in our company who are actually aching, aching to better organize things. We're often just the ones in the way is what I am really clear about, probably because I work with some of those people. And they're like, oh, if I could just get my hands on that. But what's great is you provide that whole structure. So it's not just documenting the process. It's actually the whole mindset that's required in order to do that well and keep it going so it doesn't dissipate after. We know that. We've documented a ton of systems, but they're in an old format that people aren't looking at anymore. So we keep having to redo it. So, oh, my last question before I let you go. Now, given that most of us are remote, digital, mobile, moving around, paper isn't really working so well anymore. So do you guys have, is there a business technology, an app? You know, how do people track it in a, you know, systematic way, digital way, compared to what I'm used to? How does that get handled? Yeah, and there's a lot of ways to do it. I don't want to say, hey, this is the one you should use. It depends on the maturity of your business. If you're just starting out, probably Google Docs will work just fine. But as you mature and you have a bigger team, we use Trainual in our team. And so I work with a lot of Trainual clients. That's a great business. They have a great platform for holding systems and also having a learning management element to it that you can control. But I've also worked with a lot of other ones like Sweet Process and Confluence and Process Street. I mean, the list goes on and on and on in terms of ways you can house these things. But I will tell you that no matter where you house them, if you as the leader, doesn't mean you have to do it, but if you as the leader don't lead your team to follow the processes, maintain them, measure them, control them, manage by them, if you don't do that, all of your documentation work is going to be a total waste. Because I've been to companies where they show me what they've done and it's five, six years old and we throw it all away and start over. That's a six-figure mistake, right? So you don't want to do that. So you really want to keep control of them. And that really is why that the mindset, the strategy, the principles, and your leadership matter if you're going to embark on documenting these things. So anyways, a lot of softwares to choose. I don't want to tell you this is the one you have to use because it depends. Okay, perfect. And I know some of those other names, so that's super helpful. Now, Josh, you actually have another company as well that I think might be incredibly strategic for some of our clients. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So it's a sister company that we started specifically for those entrepreneurs who they get it, they know what they want to do, but they just don't have anyone on their team to document the systems for them. It's called ProcedureWriters.com. Our vision for that business and our goals is basically 
anyone on your team can just audio record or screen record any task they're doing as they're doing the task. And then they can just easily upload it. And then our team will then document that, procedurize it for you, tag it for you, put it back in your platform for you. And you don't have to do anything. Then you have a procedure done with no work. And really it happened because so many of my clients wanted to do it, but all of their team was totally busy and no one on their team volunteered to write the procedure. So it just didn't happen. So this company just does that for you. You just pay per procedure. And whether you want 10, 20, 100, 200, it doesn't matter. Then you can really knock it out fast. And then your team can really probably stay in their unique ability because you might not have anybody who's a procedure documenter. I love that. Brilliant. I'm so glad that you created that because you're a perfect who for that how. So procedurewriters.com. Love it. All right. So if people want to reach out to you, ask you more, get a copy of the book, what's the best way to get in touch with Josh? Yeah. So go to workthesystem.com. Certainly you can get the free book there. If you don't want to pay for it, we allow that you to download it or get the audio version there. And then of course, we have a lot of resources, podcasts, a bunch of other stuff as well. Yeah. Send everyone there. Okay. Sounds good. Workthesystem.com. Josh, thank you so much for your time today. It's just a pleasure to get to know you. And I just so appreciate what you do. And I know the desperate need that so many companies have for what you offer. And, you know, both of us are really passionate about helping entrepreneurs and their teams be freed up, more successful. Entrepreneurial freedom, success, and happiness is our purpose. That's our mission in the world. And I really appreciate your contribution to that too. So thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Jan. This is fun.